Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, and you are listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. It's the Catherine Zox Show. I've got two guests coming up in this hour. Surprise, surprise, two ladies who are doing amazing, incredible kinds of things. The first one probably, or maybe many of you have never heard of. I hadn't. This is, it's a fascinating new concept created by Tessa Smith McGovern. She's creator of eChook, which is a new publishing app digital publisher. And it's called a 10-minute escape in the palm of your hand. We're going to find out what that's all about. Um, my second guest is Dr. Frances Walfish. She's a psychologist. She's been on the show before, as you remember her. She's an author, uh, author of The Self-Aware Parent, a leading child and family therapist. And she and I are going to be talking about the self-aware parent, but specifically about the battle hymn of the Tiger Moms, the new book by Amy Chua. But first guest, Teresa Smith-McGovern, creator of eChook, a 10-minute escape in the palm of your hand. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning. Thanks so much, Catherine. Thanks for inviting me. This is an amazing new concept. Um, and I'm just going to read the intro to it so listeners can understand. The best of two worlds have merged to bring the overworked and underrested 10 minutes of transcendent bliss. You're the award-winning short story writer. Teresa Smith McGovern, and you have wedded the restorative nature of getting lost in a story to the immediacy of modern technology to bring readers eChook. Yep. More than brain candy, eChook offers apps full of well written short stories that soothe the soul like 10 minutes of literary gourmet chocolate. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. The idea is that um, this is actually what I wanted to find on my phone when I was going about my business during the day. I would have 10 minutes here or 15 minutes there, and I wanted to be able to go to read a story that wasn't going to leave me in floods of tears because I, you know, I'm, maybe I'm in the queue in the post office, so I'm going to get the kids or go to a meeting. So I needed a story that I could trust would leave me feeling pretty good, but I also wanted good quality. Um, and so the idea is that you can take a break during the day. If you're on your computer for a lot, you can stand up, you can you know, move to a different position and just have a, a break and go somewhere different. So, in other words, you can be sitting in, I'm thinking, sitting in the doctor's office. You know, you're mm-hmm. talking about waiting in long lines. Yep. Even in probably as a parent, I shouldn't say this, but sometimes I used to sit at my kids' games, and sometimes they're not that interesting, <laughs> whether it's soccer or swimming, and it's boring. And, boy, it would be nice to sit there and be able to read a little short, or to have a short story available to me. I mean, in those kinds of venues, I think it works great. Yes, I mean, the, the idea is that, 
I, I think a lot of us feel that there's such a deluge of work. There's, it, work really isn't for all of us now. It's not nine till five anymore. It's just all day, all the time. And if we don't carve out time to relax and time to restore ourselves, then I think we're just going to get more and more exhausted. And then the weekend comes, which very often isn't relaxing either. Um, and I, I think we have to have a new system to just rest ourselves and, and restore. All right, so this is, uh, Tessa, a 10-minute escape in the palm of your hand. Mm -hmm. um, how is it available? How does it actually work? Okay, there are a few different ways. So if you're not an iPhone or Android phone owner, you can still get it at our website, which is echook.com. Um, there's a full-color printable online version available for sale there. It's $3.99. Uh, you can go on your iPhone or your iPad or your iPod Touch. You can go to your app store and search for either eChook or the title of the app, which is London Road Linked Stories. Um, and you can also do the same on your Android phone. And fairly shortly, we're going to be on the Kindle, the Nook, the Sony Reader, all the rest of the ebook platforms. So you're going to be on all the digital appliances, actually, yes. in, in short order, I guess. But... Um, who writes these stories? You know, people like you and me, just where I think that I once read that 70% of women felt that they could write a story. And I think that in the last couple of years, you know, we're all writing on Facebook, we're writing um, 70 million blogs and increasing. You know, I think we, the word is out that everybody can write or everybody can learn to write. Um, and it's one step to the side to you know, make that foray into creative writing. And really the difference is in the time of it. You know, a creative piece of work is a, a process of layering and it takes longer. It's all in the revision, whereas we can knock out a blog in probably two or three drafts. So it's a different process. But I really think that, you know, a, a good short story is about someone, is about a character who has a problem and who has felt something deeply. So that's really all of us. So Tessa, what you're doing is there's always there's been a there is a complaint. I think there's an ongoing complaint that we rely too much on all of our digital apparatus. We don't write well anymore. You know, we IM and we text and we do all those things mm -hmm. in order to communicate, which gets us away from the creative process. But it seems to me what you're doing is combining the two. Where you're using technology kind of at its best, forcing people, we'll say women to sit down and write and be creative and then communicate that through the uh, through our through our apps and our iPads and our iPods. Yes, and I think I think that I know this is corny but the Martha Graham That's okay. Well, the Martha I really do believe the Martha Graham quote and if I didn't believe this I wouldn't have kept going all these years myself. It's almost two decades now. The one that about, you know, whatever is in you is unique and if you don't write it it will be lost forever. It's one reason why writers can share with other writers. You know, I, I have so many writer friends and we work collaboratively because I can't write what somebody else would write and they can't write what I would write. It's really an original um, process and, and only one person can write that one particular story. Uh, and this creativity, I think that there's a heartlessness and there's a coldness sometimes in the online world. And I think we've all been entrenched in that. And there's going to be a shift, you know, a balancing out of things. We're all going to calm down a little bit, come off our computers a bit. 
Um, and I think this could be part of it where I would love to see communities having workshops, writing workshops, you know, just all over the country, all over the world, people getting together to write because it's such a sustaining activity. I was going to ask you who the ideal <clears throat> writer is for each book, but <clears throat> you just answered the question because it's really everybody. And it would seem to me what you're saying, Tess, that it also involves people of not just internationally, people from all over the world, but different ages, I guess. I mean, you could have elementary school, high school yep. kids, college kids, adults. Yeah. Um, it it yep. really is for everyone. It, it is, and I, I would say with each of we're we're fairly specific, and I think that that's something that's going to be, I think publishers going forward need to be specific about about what they're doing and what they're offering. Our stories are 10 minutes. They have a beginning, middle, and end. And they leave, they may be dark in the middle, but they're going to leave the story at a point where the, the reader can feel a sense of relief or delight because, you know, very often where you end the story makes all the difference. Um, sometimes that's not the case. Some, sometimes something is just plain sad and that's, um, that's the end of it. But very often, if you just wait a little bit or just continue the story, then you go to that place where a reader is going to feel good. And that's the same for any age group, um, you know, it's a question of revising, making sure that the, the words are working well, that the pace is moving along. And, you know, I once read that a short story is basically about a problem. And when the problem is solved, the story is over. And that's a good thing to bear in mind for a 10-minute short story because you have to get in, get to the problem, and get out. So you... Your eChook, and you go to eChook.com, mm -hmm. and and let's say someone's listening and says, "Hey, you know, I think I have a story to tell or a story to write." Mm -hmm. What would they do now? I mean, do they submit their story to you at eChook, and then there's a certain amount of words that you have to put in the story? How does that work? Yeah, um, if you go to eChook.com and touch on the submissions tab at the top of the page, there's there all the guidelines are there, and you can submit your story right on that page. You can upload a file. Um, and we really, we like to say we do have an app for that because whatever your topic is, whether it's fiction or non-fiction, essays, memoir, um, we have something that will fit it. At the moment, um, what's open is the Stories of Love app, and that can be a story about any kind of love, not just romantic love necessarily. You know, it could be anything that has really moved someone and affected them in their life. Um, so, yes, they just go right there and, um, and submit it to us. And if, if it's not our cup of tea, then we don't respond. We don't see the need to send rejection letters. You know, it's a bit like dating. It's better to hear nothing. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, when something moves us, because I, I've been writing for almost 20 years, when something stands out, we will respond to it. You know, we'll let you know how we feel about it and what's working in that piece. And if we don't respond, it doesn't mean that it wasn't good. I have to make that point because I have a couple of stories at the moment. The writing is superb. I mean, it's just knock your socks off writing, but it's not our cup of tea. It's not what we're doing. It's, you know, it's just too raw, too edgy, but it will get published somewhere else. So you really do have to realize as a writer that Publishing is as subjective as going shopping for a pair of shoes. You know, I love I that pair. I think that's important. I, I think that's a really important point because you don't want writers, uh, maybe particularly young, particularly young writers, to get discouraged because yes. yeah, it may not be right for, as you say, for for your 
medium, but it may be for somebody else's. So you have to really keep on submitting, and I think that's an important point to make. When you, you really, say us, yeah. who, Tessa, who is us at Etrook? Who is Who are you? Well, um, it's primarily me, and I have um, a friend who works with me, Leslie Paparo. She helps me in the office, and we have a group of readers, um, some of whom are in the writing program at Fairfield University. And then we have um, our editor is actually the ex-editor-in-chief of William Morrow um, in the city, Betty Kelly Sargent. Um, and then we have our PR people. You know, So it's sort of a loose confederation of, of like-minded people. So you think you're going to get a lot of competition from this. This is a very unique idea. Very. I, yeah, I think there will definitely be people. And, I, and this is, I think, the healthiest thing to come to publishing, much as I grieve the contraction in print books, because I love my books, and I, I certainly don't think there will ever be a time when we don't have books. But the healthiest thing about this is that, you know, anyone can do this if you if you know what you like and you get, you've got to bring quality together. You know, we use professionals for our editing, for our design, so that it's we don't have that sort of self-publishing look. You know, I never wanted that sort of amateur look to our work. But what you realize is that ordinary people can do this because it's all about the acquiring editor and the design and turning something into a top-grade product. Um, and with the crash in the economy, you know, these people are actually online, and, and I was able to get to them and to hire them and to put this, this out. It's, and other people can do the same thing according to their own loves. I think that you just mentioned well, one group of people who people have lost their jobs, who are at home, who can, you know, avail themselves of being able to be creative and perhaps write a short story that you would accept. And also I'm thinking about another group of people. I mean, you think about older people and the aging population. What an opportunity for them to be creative and to have yeah. it recognized without having to run around and, and do stuff that takes physical activity or energy, or uh, which they don't have perhaps, but right. they have the experience and the writing ability. And uh, right. boy, here it is right here. I mean, you can, you know, each hook. Yes, and, and things that we don't want to get lost. Um, you know, there are, there are stories that my dad, who's, who's not a writer, but stories that he's told me about being in the war um, in England and having the doodlebugs come over and those kind of stories, those personal experiences are things that should be recorded. Now, the eChook app, and I want to mention this again, is London Road. And you can go to eChook.com. We've got another, we're going to go for a break in a little, in a, in a minute or two, but I just want to be sure that uh, listeners have that information because you can submit your stories, your stor- short stories. And I guess you didn't say this, Tessa, but a short story is approximately, what, 750 to 2,000 words? That's the length that we're working in because we're looking at roughly 10 minutes to, to read the story. Um, but the, it's not hard and fast, so around that length. All right, great. We're going to take a break right now. I'm uh, talking to Tessa Smith-McGovern. Uh, she is the creator of eChook, which is a new publishing app, digital publisher, a 10-minute escape in the palm of your hand. You're listening to The Catherine Zock Show. I'm your social worker with a microphone on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Don't... News, opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And joining me this morning is my guest, Tessa Smith-McGovern. She's creator of eChook, and you go, can go to eChook.com for more information. It's a new publishing app, digital publisher, uh, described as a 10-minute escape in the palm of your hand. So uh, the eChook app is called London Road. I want to keep repeating that, but it's London Road. So, Tessa, we've been talking about, you know, the logistics of how eChook works. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about you personally because, you, I mean, you're a writer. You're a short story writer. Right. Yeah, but I want to hear about some of your history, how you, because there was no eChook, obviously, and probably when you began writing, none of this kind of digital blogging and that kind of stuff. So, right. Yeah. So yeah. How, did you, how did you begin your career as a short story writer? Well, in between the children. Um, <laughs> How I, many children do you have? I have two, a, a girl of almost 18 who actually is going to college this year, which is really what made me sort of get my act into gear and, and do something because, um, you know, I'm going to have half an empty nest and then a boy of 14. Um, and uh, when I was pregnant, I, I wrote a novel and um, 
it didn't get I got an agent but it didn't get published and then then I didn't like it and I didn't want to work on it anymore and then I had my first child and that's really when I started writing these short shorts in between naps and that kind of thing it was really it lent itself that length lent itself to parenting young children and I've been doing it ever since and going to workshops and I've met so many fabulous writers who never send out their work, that they're sort of in the back of my mind. And I've contacted a lot of them to say, you know, give me that piece. I remember reading this work of yours. Um, so just submitting over the years, you know, still submitting my own short stories. Um, and Does anyone encourage you to do that? I mean, here I know, how, I know what it feels like to be sitting home with the babies. I had three. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a little older than yours are, well, 10 years older than yours are now, but sitting there figuring out what can I do. I mean, here, and this was, you know, quite a while ago, and, and the Internet wasn't available. So um, there you are, and you are you have a talent. You do write short stories. But was anybody saying to you, okay, t- you know, you can do it, submit at least, or take classes, or was this something that you did kind of in an isolated, you know, well, mom? I always, yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's a mixture. I always said that I would write a novel when I got pregnant. I, when I was a kid and my parents were getting divorced, I wrote a, a diary. You know, I would write out all the, the horrible stuff. And then when I was getting married, I wrote a short story to plan the wedding, how I saw it and how I wanted it to be. And so that writing part is just something that I've always used um, as part of my thinking process. So that's sort of how it came about. And then... Um, the very first workshop teacher I had, and, and I do actually want to say something to, to any writers listening, you know, if you're going to a workshop and for any reason it doesn't make you feel good, find a different workshop because there's a real compatibility issue with a, with a teacher sometimes. Um, and I was fortunate that I had um, a workshop with Sari Friedman in New Jersey, and she was very kind to me, and I think that Perhaps without that, I might not have continued. I don't know. Um, but then I also had a lot of rejection. I had one woman in New York, an agent, um, asked me for the first three chapters of my novel, and this is maybe 15 years ago. And when I sent it in to her, she asked for some changes. I made some changes, and she wrote back to me and said that she didn't think that writing was my thing. That could be devastating to someone who I doesn't have a good... I was devastated. I mean, I was devastated. And, you know, I, kn- I know who this woman is. I know she's still doing her stuff in New York. And I, I think, you know, in part, I'm, show- I'm going to show her. You know, this is... It wasn't... It was an unkind thing and an unfair thing to say. And teachers do that unwittingly to people whose writing they read. So if there is someone out there who's being stopped dead by someone's criticism. You know, I want to urge you to try again, to get out, find a different group. It's essential to have someone who loves your writing. But but you're also saying, Tessa, if you have a good ego and you come at it the way you're describing it, the person who says to you, hey, you should never write again, motivates you to say, hey, I will write again, I will, and I'm good. So maybe you need a balance, you know, and not just the person or the people who say, oh, you're great, you're wonderful, this is good. You need the person who also says, hey, you're not going to make it, and you're like, oh, yes, I am. Maybe. I I don't know if I would have. It might have been enough to sink me if I hadn't had the other kind of people. And, And timing is key here because you need someone who's going to be very rigorous and very harsh with you 
right at the end of your process. You know, once you've got that short story and you've taken it as far as you can possibly go with it and you're sick to death of it, then you need someone who can look at it with a clear eye and give you constructive criticism. But in those first instances when you're getting the first, second, third draft down, you need people who love your writing because there's just such an an impetus when someone responds to what you've seen and felt and you put it down on the page and someone goes, oh, I get that. It's just magical. And that's what you need for, you know, 80% of your writing time. Would you say that is comparable or comparable to a director of a play? I mean, a director takes an actor with a lot of raw talent who he sees or she sees as someone who's going to uh, do their play as they you know, as they see it, but they they mm-hmm. let them evolve, and then, as you say, at the end, then they yeah. kind of hone in on their skills and become much more, um, much more of a director of being very yes. specific about in terms of what they want from the actor. Is that the same thing? Yeah, I think it's a process that applies to to most things. I think it's the same with parenting. You know, I mean, I was I was really a horrible parent when my daughter was in middle school. I just you know, now I can look back. My son's in middle school now. He's very fortunate that I, I see the error of my ways, but I was all over her. You know, I was jumping on her way too soon. Did you get this grade? Did you do that? Have you done this revision? I didn't let her have that first process on her own where she could go through it. I didn't trust in the process. Um, and, you know, I think if I had let her be and had more confidence and more faith in her, then it, I wouldn't have jumped on her, and her middle school years would have been a lot nicer. So I think it is the same process. You, and short stories are brilliant for this because you don't have two years invested in a short story. You know, you've got a few weeks, um, maybe even over a process of months, but your ego isn't so bound up in one short story that you're going to be completely gutted if it gets criticized. You know, you can move on to the next one. And that's why short stories are so perfect for for beginning or or newer writers. It's also why they fit so well into our culture right now. Mm -hmm. You know, short stories as opposed to some 450-page novel Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't really fit our kind of cultural uh, attitude right now. I think the short story is what works well. And, um, you know, as you say, you, you do it, you finish it, and you can go on to next. I know. I hate to say that because I know. I know. It's just the worst thing. And I have, I have some friends who are either novelists or book reviewers. And, you know, I, I purposely make sure I spend my time on watching what they're doing. And every now and then I'll pick a book and go in during a year, once or twice a year. That's all it is. But I think that on the plus side, more of us are reading and more, more of us are writing than ever before. And what what Ichuk wants to offer is meaningful stories. You know, what we get on the Internet so often is either unkind or heartless. You know, perhaps it's funny, but it's, it's certainly unsatisfying sometimes. So character-driven stories are essentially meaningful. You know, it's about someone's life. It's, it's, it's something that hopefully will be relevant to all of us. And so I think there's great meaning in that. And I, I think that we can direct our future with this technology that we, you know, we seem to be stuck with. Um, I think, I think the technology, obviously, is here to stay. And as you say, how we use it is what's going to be important. 
and yes. I, yeah, and that this kind of what you're talking about, I think, is uh, is a, a just a real positive use of our technology. But I was going to ask you, Tessa, what are your favorite stories? What what makes you know what's that breath of fresh air for you during for a, a story during the day, a ten minute story? Well, I have a couple of things at the moment. I just bought a new book yesterday, which I'm so excited about. It's called Great Short Stories of the Masters, and I got it at Barnes. And it has short shorts in it, so our length um, that we're working in by Dostoevsky, um, Virginia Woolf, Chekhov, just all the classic writers. And this is an area that really hasn't been studied. Um, short shorts by classic writers, there really isn't much scholarly work on it. And even though our stories are essentially popular stories, they're accessible um, they move fast because you have to in, in this climate, you know, you, you can't hang around. Um, to bring these two things together, the classic short stories together with these more populist times, I think is just thrilling. So I've got it. It's all marked up with pink sticky notes with the ones I want to read, and that is very exciting. And also, you know, when I get the submissions through eChook, every time I click on that submi- on that line and read someone's story, I know what's gone into it. You know, I know the the feeling and the effort and the time, and, and there's something thrilling about that. So, Tessa, we only have a couple minutes left, and I want to make sure that, have we covered the specifics for how writers can submit their stories for the next collection? I think, um, I think we have. Um, I'd like to say also that we pay up to $100 per piece, depending on what rights the author is able to give. Um, and um, ehook.com is where the submissions are. And the my first one was London Road Link Stories, and that was about the character who leaves prison and goes to a boarding house in London. Um, and you follow the same characters through those seven stories. So um, I think that's I think that's the information. Can you can you keep resubmitting? Let's say you send it in that we don't hear from you. Because you mm-hmm. said you don't send anything back saying this is terrible or this needs working on, so uh, do we just? And, but we don't hear over what a month or two. Then can we resubmit something? You definitely can, and you know I know that everybody says this, but you really it really is a good idea to read the stories that we're publishing because those will give you. We have a pretty clear fingerprint. Um, and if you look at how, if you read our stories, if you enjoy them, then that's a good indication that we're probably a good place for you. But if you read one and you think, well, I really don't care about this woman who's, you know, left prison, that's not, I don't, just doesn't engage me, then, then we're probably not the publisher for you. So in that way, that's how you direct your efforts. All right, great. It's been great talking to you today. You too. Thank uh, you Obviously, so much. I learned a lot, and I know my listeners did too. Tessa Smith-McGovern, you can go to echook.com, a 10-minute escape in the palm of your hand. Good luck with the project. It's great. Thanks so much, I'll have you Catherine. on again. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and coming up next is Dr. Fran Walfish, author of The Self-Aware Parent, and we're going to be talking about that tiger mom. So don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And joining me this morning is Dr. Frances Walfish. She's been on the show before, and she's a leading, as you all know, leading child and family therapist in private practice. She's a consultant for Parenting Teens Resource Network, Parents Magazine, uh, amongst others. She chairs the governing board of the Early Childhood Parenting Center, and she's author of The Self-Aware Parent, Resolving Conflict and Building a Better Bond with Your Child. 
She is the expert, and I'm so excited she's here today because, as you all know, everybody's been talking about the Tiger Mom, the Tiger Mom. I've seen her on television. I've heard her on the radio. And her particular, she's written a new, her book is called is uh, Battle Hymn of the Tiger Moms. Uh, she's a uh, American professor, Chinese-American law professor from Yale, and has been talking about her parenting style, which is, I don't know if it's unique necessarily to Asian parents, but it's it stirred up a lot of controversy here in the United States. So Dr. Walfish is the expert to talk to and to discuss this book. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning. Catherine, thank you. My pleasure to be with you. So let's get right into it, okay, okay. this whole Tiger Mom thing in parenting, because I have a lot of my own feelings, even before this, her book came out, um, my own thoughts about how we do parenting here in the United States, but so how do you want to start? What do you think? What, you know, let's just, for those who may not even know what this Tiger Mom controversy is, why don't you tell us? Okay. As I understand it, it's a, a, um, a very, very strict, structured um, way, style of parenting uh, that is... Um, in particular, unique or specific to the Chinese culture, as Professor Chua writes, and it involves, um, for her, very, very high expectations for the child to perform with nothing less than excellence or slash perfection in the areas of academics, and um, uh, family performance, the way uh, the children treat parents respectfully, and it's, um, it bypasses really looking at the child's feelings and self-esteem on the way through the process. So the tiger so, mom... Yes, requires that her, this particular tiger mom, she had two daughters or has two daughters, uh, as perfect grades. One of the things, uh, you know, in terms of what you said, she said that she, you know, don't compliment your children in front of others, no TV. Um, I, I read an article in uh, Psychology Today, Dr. Walfish, and, and it, it, it talked about the fact that this style of parenting is like training your kids. It has to do with training rather than fostering growth. Um, as a model, it's, it's, can you kind of comment on that? It, and and it, it almost sounds like that. Like you don't take, like you said, you don't take into account the psychosocial needs or you know of of the child. But it's like it's, you have to perform. You have to get straight. You can't get a B plus. You have to get an A plus. Um, so it all has to do with training your child to be perfect. Whether you're taking music lessons, in this case, violin lessons. Um, but we're, that style of parenting really isn't concerned with fostering growth as we do here in the, the Western model of parenting. Right. And um, I love how you articulated that, Catherine, because you hit the nail on, on the head. The real issue for me is how does one define success as a parent? What is success? And as I view it, the tiger mom defines success by excellence of achievement. And I define success 
more by raising happy, healthy, truly contented children who treat other people with kindness out of empathy rather than compliance. So what would you say, Dr. Walfish, to people who say, okay, that's nice, but we are 17th in the United States in reading, math, and science worldwide. How are we going to get ahead? What are we going to do? Wow, that's a a great (laughs) argument. Um, What I think is much more important today is the following. We are having, I think, of at, at least in my private practice, of epidemic uh, um, numbers, parents who are challenged who have great difficulty setting boundaries and holding the line and following through. I think that is much more where the focus needs to happen, not in pulling back on nurturing and loving kids. So, um, and that's what the Chinese uh, culture is doing. What I would say to your listeners and to all of my patients is, I think any radical one side of the spectrum leaning is not helpful to finding the best goal with raising children. It lies in the territory of balance. And I, I always tell my patients, to be a good parent, you have to do two things at the same time comfortably, and that is be very comfortable loving and nurturing your child, and that's where I would help the uh, Chinese-cultured parents expand. It's helpful to be warm and sweet while you're being clear. And at the same time, a parent must be comfortable saying no, helping follow through. So if if mom or dad says, you've got to pick up your dirty, wet towels off of the floor before you go in the other room after your shower, and the child doesn't do it, the child doesn't go in the other room and get to move on to the next um, activity until the mom says, Show me how you can pick it up or I'm going to help you. And then mom motorically moves the child through picking up dirty, wet laundry and putting it in the hamper. So the child does not get out of their responsibility. The parent shows that, helps that child show up for their job. But so, it's with kindness. In, well, what you're when, saying is, is and that we need to have a balance. And what I'm seeing is perhaps, and I'm going to take the other side for a moment, because I think sometimes we don't, we, um, the Western model of parenting, we don't have a balance either. And the tiger mom, you know, is way on uh, on one side, very demanding, very uh, goal-driven. And I think we on the other side sometimes, American parents, and I was in a, at a cocktail party in New York City this weekend speaking to some young parents, and they actually only... They had uh, they had uh, one child, and she was telling me about uh, and this was the uh, Upper East Side, New York City, and she's telling this this parent, the, the the mom, is telling me talking about taking the kids to the doctor and the dentist, and she's saying when they go to the dentist, for instance, and this kind of blew my mind away. I, I want to hear what you have to say about it, but they take them to this <laughs> dentist to, you know, because they don't want it to make it a scary 
situation for the child. They, they have all kinds of video games and movies and, you know, the place is decorated. It's like a whole kind of a, a plaything. Um, and so that the child doesn't really feel like they're going to the dentist and they're not frightened. I said to her, you know, it seems to me we're in babying these kids. Like maybe you have to go to the doctor or you have to go to the dentist and it has to be more of a, I don't like to use the word somber, but some an experience that is serious and you're, if you're going in the context of a loving parent, somebody, you know, you have that kind of support, uh, this is maybe your first experience um, as being able to deal with something that isn't all fun and games and happy. And, and we're kind of like not allowing our children to have those kinds of experiences. What do you think about that? I think that both of you have a good point. Um, and I'm not avoiding taking a position, but let me say it depends on the age of the child. So if it's a child that's under six years old or under seven years old, six or under, I think it does help to prepare the child. I'm not talking about coddling, but the surprise factor of, um, you know, a drill that makes noise and scares the child would add to the to use a strong word, trauma of the experience. So being prepared is very helpful. On the other hand, let me tell you why and how I came to write the book, The Self-Aware Parent, because I was in dialogue with the dean of a large private school here in Beverly Hills, California, and the dean hung her head in her hands and said, somebody has to write a book to help parents deal, to help parents teach their children to deal with disappointment. That's exactly what you're saying, because the dean was saying parents are not equipping their children with the coping skills to tolerate disappointment. On the flip side of the coin, the parents are conditioning children to expect to get whatever they want, if they study hard and they get a B- minus on a test, parents are quick to come to teachers and say, can you raise it to a B+, plus? my child tried hard. And the kids are getting a message of, if you know, if you try, you always get what you want. And you and I, Catherine, know that's not true. We absolutely know that's not true. And I, we're going to take a break on that one because that just brings up my next question to you. Like we're telling our kids that, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. I, I'm not okay. so sure that's true. I'm Catherine Sox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. Dr. Francis Walfish, author of The Self-Aware Parent, is here today. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. And this morning I'm talking to Dr. Francis Walfish, psychologist, uh, leading child and family therapist, and author of The Self-Aware Parent. A book is a must-read book. But now we're really actually, she's my expert, and we're talking about another book, uh, Amy Chua, who wrote the book uh, Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mom. So uh, parenting... Uh, skills, parenting, well, how different parent, we're, that's really what we're talking about, good parenting skills and doing it well. And there's a difference between, I guess, tiger moms, uh, maybe the way Chinese parents or Asian parents uh, parent their children and maybe the Western model. I'm not sure that either one of them in and of itself is really great. So this is what we're talking about. Uh, it has to be a balance, as Dr. Walfish says. So, I'm going to ask that. So I want to know, I, I was also in New York. Here's another uh, party we were at. And I'm talking. I'm always talking to young people because I like to get their opinions. This is another uh, a young couple. This woman is a teacher. And she is pregnant for the first time. And we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the parents that she has to deal with <clears throat> in her school. One of the things, Dr. Walfish, I think that we do a disservice to our children is we tell them they can be, and do anything they want to do. They can be anything they want to be. That's not true. That's not realistic. Uh, we, it's a setup. And then we try to set up the situation, like you said before we took the break. <clears throat> Kid gets a bad grade, we blame it on the teacher. And if we don't blame it on the teacher, we beg the teacher to up the grade, even though there's no actual reason for doing it. That can't be good parenting. Well, you know, that's a fabulous um, question, I'll tell you my experience with that. Okay, it's true we are cheerleaders and we want to support children by saying you can be anything you want to be. But in my practice, I treat kids of all ages. And what I find is as children begin to grow older into 
the latency age. Catherine, you know what that is. I do. For your listeners, it's age 7 to 12 years old, those years between the early childhood years and right before adolescence. What I find is kids are beginning to have a more accurate sense of their strengths and areas of weakness. And I always talk with kids about, I ask them, what what would you like to be or to do when you grow up? And we talk about it at different phases of their age and development. And I have always found that kids generally narrow it to something they really can do. In other words, I have treated kids who are challenged by math and science, and they don't say, I want to be a doctor. They just don't. So um, now there are kids, and this is somewhat special circumstances, who have learning disabilities or learning differences, and they would like to be a doctor, but they can't because they have challenges. And part of the the job of uh, being a, a fair and good parent is to gently help the child become self-aware. So it's not blasting a child with confrontation of, you're good at this, you're not good at this, you can't do that. But it's helping open dialogue with kids about, what do you think you're strong in? And what's hard for you? And let's talk about the different jobs or requirements that um, there are for different things you want to do. So it's helping kids become self-aware. There's a way to do it. Um, I do agree with you that you're, you're, you're sort of touching on the topic of disappointment that we talked about before the break, and that is there really is a huge problem of parents trying to shield their children from experiencing the pain and suffering of a letdown, a disappointment. And I feel there has to be much more realistic preparation for kids. So that yeah, and I think, Dr. Walfish, that is well said because that leads to a self-aware child. When you begin to understand what you're able to do, what you can't do, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, and then you end up making the right choices for right. yourself. And that's right. And, uh, you know, in uh, Professor Chua's defense, I do want to say one thing that I really liked about her style of parenting. Right or wrong, she has very clear, delineated expectations for those children, and they know what they are. And that's not true of most or many American parents. Yeah, I think that's a good point. However, what happens now? She's a law professor. Obviously, she has two children who innately have a you know, it doesn't seem anyway have any particular disabilities, and they're very intelligent. What happens when a kid gets into a that kind of a family, and perhaps they are average intelligence, and they aren't good at sports, and perhaps um, you know limited in the areas, and maybe not a good musician or. Um, <clears throat> 
that can be, a, a, I think, a difficult situation in those kinds of families with well, those kinds I, of expectations. I think there are only two ways for the child to go. There are only two ways. One is to um, submit and go underground with feelings of sadness or low self-esteem or resignation and submission or to become angry and rebel. And Dr. Chua had one of each. Her older daughter, her first child, submitted, I think, by resignation. And the second daughter rebelled fiercely. And um, Professor Chua even, you know, admits and states that her style did not work for all children. Yeah, I, I think she did. She said she... I think one of the things specifically she said too, and this is what you touched on in the beginning of the uh, when we were talking in the beginning of the interview. She does regret not letting them have social time and you know some of that nurturing kinds of stuff that uh, that is important for kids' growth in you know in a positive way. Yes, you know if I could add, um, and and the, we're all on a learning curve. <clears throat> Excuse me, we are all still learning as I think Professor Chuai is, because I just saw her last week live on the Joy Behar show on television, and she said she regrets having called the children garbage, that she said they're garbage. She does say she said it only once. She wishes instead she had said, shame on you. And from my perspective, that's not a helpful way to to teach children either. You don't want to teach children to comply out of shame and humiliation, but rather you want to teach them to inhibit their impulses and learn self-discipline, learn how to um, do the right thing because they want to. Not out. And of we're going to learn the right thing because they want to. We have to say goodbye. Um, we only have 30 seconds left, but I, I think that's a really good note to leave the show on. Um, Dr. Frances Walfish, psychologist, author, leading child and family therapist, and her book is The Self-Aware Parent. Thanks so much again for being the expert on the show today. Great talking to you. Thank you, too, Catherine. Look forward to the next time. Yep, I do, too. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You've been listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. Hope you had a nice morning, and we'll see you next Wednesday. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.